Welcome to the Policy at McCombs podcast, a data-driven conversation on the economic issues of today. In this series, we invite guests into our studio to provide a highlight of their work presented during a visit to the University of Texas at Austin. Policy at McCombs is produced by the Center for Enterprise and Policy Analytics at the McCombs School of Business. I am your co-host, Carlos Carvalho, with my colleague, Mario Villarreal. Our guest today is Peter Arcidiacono, Professor of Economics at Duke University. Peter joined us today to talk about his work in association with the Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard, a recent high-profile case challenging Harvard's admissions policies as potentially discriminatory against Asian Americans. Peter, welcome to Policy McCombs. Thanks for having me. So let's start by, by describing generally, I guess, your role on the case as an expert witness and, and how would you just characterize your general findings? Well, um, my role was to take Harvard's data and analyze it and look to see whether there was discrimination against Asian Americans um, and also to sort of measure the size of, of racial preferences. So... Um, with that, we had access to incredibly rich data. You know, it's six years of Harvard's of Harvard's admissions data. Was that a reason for six years? That uh, I don't know why they okay they gave us that particular amount. But that was Harvard's choice, or the judge? I guess the courts decided courts, that was okay. I, I think Harvard's choice would have been to give us you know, no <laughs> you know, no years <laughs> <Exactly>. of data. <laughs> um, but but and, and so and how would you describe the your general sort of uh, your a top line summary of your report and, and that you presented in court. So I think uh, both myself and uh, David Card on, on the other side, you know, sought to measure the degree of racial preferences, and that was really not the focus of the of the trial itself. I think people can come to different conclusions as to how big racial preferences uh, should be. Uh, but what is interesting about it in this case is this is your first chance to really see you know, how, how big they are because typically universities are not going to show this kind of data. So it's really a unique opportunity there. What the trial uh, primarily focused on um, was uh, whether Asian American applicants were being discriminated against relative to white applicants. Uh, and for me, the statistical arguments for that are pretty over overwhelming. Um, you know, I, I find a, a penalty for Asian American applicants who are not in one of these special groups. And just to clarify those groups who are... Um... Well, the shorthand is ALDC, which is Athletes, Legacies, Children of Donors, and Children of Faculty and Staff. That group represents 5% of applicants uh, less than 3% of Asian-American applicants. Um, so for the vast, vast majority of Asian-American applicants, I'm yeah. finding this a, a penalty relative to similarly situated white students. That's sort of uh, above and beyond the fact that they also lose out uh, because of things like legacy and athlete preferences, preferences for those ALDC groups. So just to, to summarize that, if you put everybody together and if you were, were to run um, uh, a regression, let's say, controlling for lots of different different um, um, characteristics of the applicants, everybody together, it is clear that you see a negative coefficient, an impact, something that suggests uh, a negative impact for Asian Americans regardless. Over, but on top of it, if you separate now and look just at the students that are being considered 
in the sort of general population, not athletes, legacy, dean's list, etc., that penalty is even larger relative to whites. Yes. Now, there are ways, uh, as you know, the other side did, you can uh, do some things to make it appear as though the penalty is smaller. Um, but uh, I think a correct treatment of the data shows a, a clear penalty. So, so the, the other side can never show that the penalty goes away, for example? They can make it go insignificant I see. by um, including everyone together, uh, including the athletes and legacies and mm-hmm. so on, mm-hmm. including the personal rating, where I think there's clear evidence of bias against Asian Americans. And uh, I think that part of what, what's happening here is that when you include athletes and legacies and such, and we, and we actually show this in our, our paper, um, Academics just are not as important for legacies and athletes. Asian Americans do incredibly well on academics. And so if you do things that make it, if you add people to the model, which shrinks the importance of academics, right, then it's going to say, well, no, we're not discriminating against Asian Americans. Academics just aren't as important. Well, that may be true for uh, ALDC applicants, but it's definitely not true uh, for everybody else. Could you spend a little bit on, on on that? Because that's one of the most common reactions I've seen among various people that says, look, I mean, on in our ratings uh, for our admissions process, we take into account various dimensions and we weight them in various ways. And it's, it just happens to be that other applicants that there are non-Asians, like whites, uh, 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 namely, uh, rank very well in dis- disproportionate weights in other uh, um, dimensions like extracurricular activities or uh, sports or, or things like that. Could, could you elaborate a little bit about what is your reaction to that uh, position? I guess maybe useful to talk a little bit about the four categories because they're mm-hmm. very clear yeah. here. So let's clarify Correct. the four categories that Harvard has in their process. Well, Harvard has lots of categories, but... Um you know, they have four what are called profile ratings. Profile ratings, okay. Ratings. And those profile ratings are academic, extracurricular, athletic, and personal. Asian Americans clean up on academic. It is amazing how well they do relative to white applicants, let alone other groups. They are also the strongest on ex- on the extracurricular rating. So then you're left with, I mean, the, the other side basically argued that they're not as multidimensional as white applicants. You get that from the athletic rating and the personal rating. On the personal rating side, I think that there's clear evidence of bias against Asian Americans. And the argument for that is that if you look at the observable characteristics, the things that, that we can see that are associated with higher personal ratings, Asian Americans are stronger on those. And there are other groups who receive a massive bump on the personal rating who are weaker on those. So that makes you think that racial preferences and penalties are playing a role in in that personal rating. That leaves the athletic rating. The athletic rating is very interesting. It's not something that received as much attention during the trial itself, but all the information in the reports, it's part of some papers I've written since then using the publicly available data. The people who do best on the athletic rating are white legacies. And part of that's due to um, some readers gauging this based on uh, how good you are at sports that Harvard uh, offers. 
Well, <laughs> Harvard offers sports like sailing and, and so on that are, are privileged, very privileged sports. I, I'm looking at a list here that you have in the paper about the sports that Harvard introduced in the past <laughs> since 1974. And it's exactly right. Women's squash, women's fencing, women's lacrosse, women's cross country, women's sailing, women's skiing, indoor track and field, women's soccer, women's ice hockey. Those are all clearly very privileged uh, and, and, and also very heavy on the female side, I, I well, assume just for because title of, for Title yeah. IX, exactly. Yeah. But that provides them, again, I, I, I don't know if you have uh, the top of your mind, uh, uh, um, the effect of gender within the categorization of, of the sports. That might be something that females yeah. are benefiting dramatically as well, right? We don't have a lot of information okay. Uh, okay. on that in terms of, of what was what was reported. Um, I will say that I think that this athletic rating uh, it's surprising that they they score them score them on that. I don't believe that Duke does. I don't believe that Stanford has an athletic rating. I don't know about other other I mean, institutions. And just again, one one thing to to be very clear from from the paper here is that even if you control for the personal ratings, you still see a negative impact uh, for. Asian Americans controlling for, for non-LDC. a lot of, for non-LDC exactly for exactly. The, uh, once you remove the, the the athletes' legacy and dean's list students, yes. which you have these two things that are one that is already discriminating against Asian Americans, and on top of it you have, have an extra penalty. Exactly. All right. Um, so, okay. So let me actually just highlight one thing that you mentioned here about Asians cleaning up on the on the. Academic standards, one number that, that, that I'm just going to scroll here and find in a paper um, that you point out is that you put students, applicants on deciles of, of academic achievement. And if you look at the top decile, how many of the Asian American students are the top decile of, of, of academic achievement, the top 10% best academic students, right? 17% of all uh, non-ALDC, meaning that the general group of people applying to Harvard, 17% of the Asian Americans that apply are in within that group. That's right. And that's like over a, double what it is for whites. It's double what it is for day. whites and, and is like nine times what it is for, for Hispanics and is 17 times essentially what it is for African Americans. So there's like an incredible quality level of students coming in in the Asian American pool. That's right. And so this gives... And this is where I think the Asian Americans are unfairly stereotyped based on that. They they do incredibly well on the academics, but it's not as though that they're weak on these other dimensions. on the other dimensions, with the exception potentially of the athletic rating, where they they and Hispanics do not do very well on that. And I think that uh, yeah, I mean, what what we think about the athletic rating. You think about the sports. If they're rating everybody on soccer, us Hispanics would do a little better. But, you know, that's not what they're rating on. They're rating yeah. on skiing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do quite so well on that. Exactly. <laughs> it's also like whether or not you're the captain of a, your sports right, team. Right. Show some leadership trait or something like that. Right. That's right. 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 So, you know, when I went to school, there was no possibility I would make the soccer team. You know, I'm not particularly athletically gifted. You know, my kids do go to a small private school. Everybody makes a soccer team if they want to play. So it's a really favors uh, richer schools that are smaller, you know, um, who can provide people with lots of lots of opportunities. Um, and that's really actually one of the surprising things, uh, which this paper, the legacy and athlete preferences at Harvard, I think illustrates, 
is that when we think about holistic admissions, you think about uh, evening the playing field, that fundamentally you think people can buy off, buy higher test scores through test prep programs and such. It's not clear, uh, in, you know, at Harvard anyway, some of these other ratings seem to be more influenced by income than the academics, at least within racial groups. So, you know, this holistic admissions evens things out across races, but within races, things like the athletic rating, the personal rating, and so on, those are actually... Still favoring privilege. Still favoring privilege more so than the things like the academic rating. Yeah, I, th- I think I find it I find it very uh, interesting about the papers that the ability that through your analysis for us to see the changing probability of a certain applicant, if you just were to you know start from a baseline and then think about changing a couple characteristics of that applicant, whether it's the income, whether it's the not income, but but whether there's the advantage or not, or whether they're an athlete or not, or or something even about the ratings, you could even change change that in the rating. So um, uh, a number that I heard, and you know we talked a little bit about this that. Let's say an Asian American with a 20, 25% chance of admissions. That would be a, a very high achieving Asian American, probably from the middle class, that currently has a 25% probability of getting in. If we were to toggle that, let's say to a white student, that probability is going to go up. Yes, I mean, I have to look up the exact yeah, numbers. But, but like but to an African American, we talked about it, what would that probability go up over to? Over 90%. Over 90%. So I should say over 90% if they were both not disadvantaged. The, um, if you're disadvantaged, African-Americans, uh, they don't get as large of a bump for being African-American as they do if they're advantaged, right, right. which is sort of one of the... As it goes in reverse to what you expect, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, the, that's the, 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 the key point here is that having an admission that's holistic to level the playing field is one thing, but when the numbers are that big... That's, I guess, what's being litigated. That's what the the holistic. We need to decide or figure out what holistic means, right? That's right. Um, um, one of the main opposing views to to the point of view that you just fleshed out, Peter, is uh, David Cards at UC Berkeley, and I, I believe that his main objection is that you left out of your model a group that, if you included. Uh, it will change the results. At least that's how I see the claim. Like, so you meet it, recruited athlete, athletes, children of alumni, children of Harvard faculty and staff members, and students on a special list uh, that includes the children of donors. Um, those are, of, of course, accepted at a higher rate. So he argues that by removing them, uh, you are skewing the results. What is your answer to that? So... Uh this is something we talked about briefly before, but the sure. idea that by including those groups, it changes the relationships that the model shows. So fundamentally, something like academics are just not as important for legacies, legacies and athletes and such. Um, there, are, there's another group that neither of us included, which are foreign applicants. You know, so typically, you know. Um, if if you thought it was important to include everybody, then you should also have to include the the foreign applicant mm-hmm. applicants as well. Uh, in economics, you know, we're really big on worrying about selection and selection. Uh, you know, we have papers on twins. You know, that's not slicing and dicing the data to get to analyzing uh, twins. What you're really worried about, looking at twins and the returns to college, that. Uh, um, 
you're, you're trying to account for selection by only looking at those at those pairs. And by selection, just to be clear, you're trying to 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 to, to account for the fact that that you're not getting a random pool of applicants here. You're getting a pool of applicants that are already uh, um, that 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 but they're different. They're different, exactly. Right. Yeah. They're and, different, and they're clearly with. treated in different ways. So, you know, if you look at the bottom ten percent of applicants um, in terms of their academics, vir- I think virtually no one gets in if they're a non. Uh, uh, ALDC, but if you're in a legacy and you're white, uh, if you're an LDC applicant and you're white, uh, your admission rate is over six percent when you're in that bottom ten percent. That's higher than the average admission rate for whites, and no whites in that non-ALDC whites in that bottom decile got in. So I mean that tells you that academics operate very differently for these LDC applicants than they do for the non-ALDC applicants. And it's even more so for um, athletes. So for athletes, uh, if you get, there's, there's one academic rating where only athletes get in. And then if you go up to a, a four on the academic rating, which is actually very, you know, very bad, uh, their admission rate is almost 80% for athletes. So we're talking about uh, substantial differences uh, in how ac- academics matter for the for the different groups. I have a general question okay. that um, I don't. I know have one have to close an... it up after, but go ahead. Well, uh, I, by reading your work, I couldn't stop thinking about. Gee, I mean, the admission process is hard nowadays, right? And that relates to a conversation that uh, Carlos and I and other colleagues have had about how the admission process, maybe if it's not broken, it may be at a difficult point. So what could you tell us about what you learned regarding that general aspects of the admission process in uh, not only elite universities, but uh, in general? Like, like, Do you sympathize with the notion that is necessary and desirable to have a well-rounded approach to it? Or would you say, look, I mean, it's about academics. I mean, like, who, who cares if you play a sport or not? We grab the best students, educate them, give them the skills and send them to the labor market. And that's our job, right? Like, oh, no, no, no. Like, we need to, to maintain a level of diversity and then well-rounded citizens. So therefore, the admission process should take that into account because that's our raw material. And in your idea, what will I guess that I'm asking you, if you could reform the admission process at Harvard and other places, what would you do? Uh, it's funny because I think I did get criticized for putting weight so much weight on the academics. I don't really feel like I did in my reports. I think my reports used a lot of the academic stuff to motivate. Well, given how strong Asians are doing on app- on academics, what does that? What do they have to look like on the rest of this to justify what their low admit rates? But I came out of this process uh, much less convinced of the value of the holistic admissions. I think um, I actually, if you're going to have racial preferences, I think something formulaic would actually be better than than what we've got here. I think it's mm-hmm. too prone to corruption. I mean, you see it with the Varsity right Blues scandal. Right. Exactly. Of course. So those types of things, 
you know, I, I find that dis, disconcerting. You know, there's so much noise, um, noise in the process as a result of you know, different people having different perspectives on these files. And, you know, I read the files. I read, read a few files and testified about one of them. And um, that's what makes it harder to detach from the case, not the affirmative action side, which people can have different perspectives on. But on the Asian American discrimination side, you know, the file I testified on, I think, showed clear, clear, I, I, clear yeah. discrimination. We IUT here have a 10% rule where mm -hmm. if you finish in the top 10% of your any high school, public high school in the state of Texas, you're guaranteed a spot at a public university in Texas, I think any of your choice. And, and then there's a matching process to try to, because too many might want to come to UT to a certain major and so on. Um, that of course has a ratio, embedded racial component to it because mm -hmm. because the high schools are not, they're, 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 they're different racial compositions. But that... I like the idea of a, a clear rule and nobody's messing with it. It's just like, you know, you might disagree whether the level, whether there's some reforms to that rule, but it's a very clear rule. Everybody knows what the game is for that. Now, that's for 75% of our students. 25% of our students come from something that is holistic and has been litigated all the way to the Supreme right. Court, and that's where the holistic word comes from, I suppose. No, I think that came from Michigan, right? That was the first decision was uh, against Michigan. Yeah, Michigan the formulaic approach was ruled unconstitutional. Uh, do now, I will say that the other part to it, which I think would, in my mind, solve some of these issues too, is transparency. You know, so thinking about this legacy admissions and such, you know, people always knew that we have legacy preferences, but we don't know the extent. Well, now we kind of do. <laughs> now we do. And now th I think that's the more honest approach is that, okay, lay the cards out uh, I, on actually, the table I actually have how things work. I haven't seen much of a of a reaction in terms of of either from Harvard or even from critics saying that this is. I mean, some, but it's very small. I think on people have focused on the racial component of this, not so much on the like. I can't believe Harvard does that so openly and so strongly, and you know any calls for reforming that inside of Harvard from there, even from their boards and so on. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I, haven't seen I haven't seen any any of that yet. Um, there's a question to 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 sort of uh, wrap up a little bit and and go back to the paper. Uh, you you do some exercises here of thinking. Okay, what would happen to the Harvard class if they were to drop using basically their formula of admissions, right? Their model of ratings and so on. If they were to drop the use of race, legacy, and athletes on it, and I'm assuming all are you in here? Are you dropping also Dean's preference and and, and no, no, we didn't do that for. We have only use the stuff that was. That was in the public. Okay, okay. So, so if they were to do that, the total number of whites in the Harvard class would be about the same. I think you're saying here would go from 4,800 to 4,900 on a given year. That's right, but it would be different whites. Different whites, exactly. You but know, it's just thinking from the racial perspective. Much legacies and, from, and from, athletes. Yeah. Right, right. Much, much fewer uh, legacies and athletes. Um, the number of Asian Americans that would get in would go from 2,300 to 3,500. That's right. That's a huge, enormous bump. Meanwhile, the other two components would be an enormous decrease for African Americans for thirteen hundred to four hundred, thirteen hundred to four hundred, and Hispanics thirteen hundred to seven hundred. So the racial composition would change dramatically for two for 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 for, for not for whites, a different mix of whites, as you said, but for for the other groups. And then I think the the delta that you see here on Asians, it's it's that's the part that's it's that's the that's the that's exactly the the the. the the focus of the case, right? And and how justifiable is that? That's right. Um, 
those are I mean, I mean I encourage our listeners to 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 this paper this paper is public you can find it through uh, and I, we'll, we'll post a link to it uh and in in our website as well but uh, the analysis and all the information in this paper is like i think gives us an incredible insight on on what goes on in a the toppest you know the top in- institution of of of, of uh, higher education in our country and perhaps in the world one more question that I, it's something that i haven't thought about i didn't realize that foreign applicants were not here foreign applicants are my guess heavily asian to harvard you know we didn't really do much with that okay. though it wouldn't surprise me cuz you know it might this penalty might not be an asian american penalty <laughs> after all it might be actually a just straight up asian penalty once you put the 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 foreign asian Im- uh, applicants to it yeah and and I, you know i don't know whether that's part of the uh reason that we see an asian american penalty um you know whether foreign applications have something to do with it. I don't know. Uh, we both we focused on the domestic. And so to that end as well, when I look at the number percentage of of Asians, I think in Harvard over the past many many years, that that's has been number. that's domestic number. That's right. Interesting. So that's not actually overall. All right. All right. And that number has hovered around twenty percent pretty steadily for a long time. Until very recently, after the luck suit, one might say, came to play, that they, they kicked up a little bit, right? Went up to 23%, I think. Yeah, uh, this last admitted class is, is definitely more um, Asian-American. And uh, one of the things that Harvard did the summer before the trial was change their reader, reader guidelines. Interesting. And one of the biggest changes is, um, in the past, there was no uh, guidance as to how to use race in these ratings. No written guidance, and now they make it clear that race is not to influence the personal rating. And in their description of the personal rating, they talk about things that would be associated with Asian American stereotypes as uh, things that we um, that, that shouldn't penalize people. Well, so that's, I guess that's a good thing, right? That there's some reforms are not reforms necessarily, but like they're trying to be more transparent that's right. uh, about it. And even if a, a, a result of the existence of this case, if even though the plaintiffs here did not did not win the first round, um, and and might, might provide more more transparency for things moving forward for sure. Peter, thanks for joining us at Policy McCombs. Thanks for having me. Before we wrap up, you can get more information in our Medium page. Thanks for listening to Policy McCombs. See you next time.